This episode contains sensitive content that may not be appropriate for listeners of all ages. Listener discretion is advised. From Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Mountland Physical Therapy's Pelvic Health Podcast. I am your host, Madison Splann. Thank you for listening. Today's topic is shockwave therapy for incontinence, erectile dysfunction, and pelvic pain. Today's guest is Dr. Leslie Cooper. Dr. Cooper received her undergraduate degree in chemistry from Georgia State University, obtained her master's degree in physiology at North Carolina State University, and completed her medical degree at Duke University. She has multiple board certifications, including American Board of Family Practice and Integrative Medicine by the American Board of Integrative Medicine. She's a member of BodyLogic MD and the American Academy for Anti-Aging and Regenerative Medicine. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for inviting me. So as I kind of alluded to, what we're going to be discussing today is low-intensity shockwave therapy in regards of treatment for incontinence, pelvic pain, and erectile dysfunction. We'll discuss this from a clinical standpoint, um, a physiological standpoint. We'll tie it in with physical therapy implications, a multidisciplinary approach to treatment with these individuals, as well as provide you with some Um, most up-to-date information in regards to research studies that are out there with this type of intervention. So with each question, we'll kind of review them in regards to all these three applications, being the pelvic pain, erectile dysfunction, and incontinence. Sometimes they might be the same for all three, but some of these questions, they might have different answers depending on what we're using them for. And that is where Dr. Cooper comes in, as this is her specialty area of, of providing service in our area here in Salt Lake. So to jump right in, Dr. Cooper, will you please describe to our listeners, like, what is shockwave therapy? What is that procedure like for patients? So shockwave therapy is using a um, shockwave machine that delivers uh, low-frequency shockwave treatment that helps regenerate tissue and bring in um, blood flow to the area. Perfect. And from a molecular level for some of us, maybe providers or therapists that are listening, what's actually happening at this like cellular level? So at the cellular level, you know, as people age and we're talking about um, women getting um, sexual dysfunction, incontinence, um, some pelvic pain and men getting erectile dysfunction, you know, as we as we age, our blood flow is not what it used to be, whether it's from chronic disease such as diabetes or just um, general aging. Uh, so we have lack of blood flow. We have somewhat what we see in tendonitis type situation where um, you might get scarring of the tissue. So a vascular and um, really doesn't look like the tissue that it was when we were younger. So what the shockwave therapy does is actually similar to what um, you might see in regenerative medicine, such as PRP, it really comes in and it sort of um, disrupts those molecules, causes injury, causing the body to come in and regenerate, forming angiogenesis or new blood vessels, and also uh, make the tissue better. So um, creating new healthy tissue. So this helps really in all, all of these things that we're talking about. So in incontinence, as we age, we know we lose estrogen, the, uh, uh, the mucosa thins, 
Um, we have lack of blood flow. Um, so all those things contribute to um, the tissue not working as well or holding up the bladder as well as it used to. Same with erectile dysfunction, that with the lack of blood flow, we don't get the same erections. We don't have the same sensitivity. So coming back in and helping regenerate that and bring in more blood flow really helps function on all of these problems. Well, that's great. And in regards to kind of the protocols when you're applying the shockwave to these parent the, to these different patients, can you talk to us about maybe how the protocols might differ for incontinence as well as the location of the probe in regards to incontinence versus erectile dysfunction versus pelvic pain? Okay. So I think for pelvic pain, it would probably be similar to incontinence. So um, the probe is actually almost, it, it's uh, about this long. I should have brought the machine in here, shouldn't I? <laughs> um, and then it's about this big around. So for incontinence, first we go into the labia majora area and do shocks on either side, then into labia majora. So that brings in the blood flow around the urethra. And then we go into the vagina and we point the probe up towards the urethra and actually towards the G-spot, which helps with orgasm also. Um, and that really helps, you know, heal on all sides of the urethra and that pelvic musculature that's so important in both stress and urge incontinence. Um, with erectile dysfunction, um, the probe is, we go over the top of the penis and then we go below where the crua is. So the crua is down below where the testicles are. And we do a few shocks on either side of that. And now when you're describing to your patients what this feels like, when you say shocks, I'm sure a lot of men and women when we're talking about genitalia are a little uh, maybe standoffish. So what does it actually feel like? So for women, we are, so I have actually two different kinds of shockwave. Um, for women, the longer probe, that's called radial shockwave. And that is actually painful. So we use a numbing cream. We apply the numbing cream probably 15 to 30 minutes before. And it's so powerful. I've had it on my face when I had a, uh, what's called a vampire facial, that your teeth go numb. <laughs> so they really don't feel anything. They just feel pressure. And it kind of uh, does a little bit of this. So they shouldn't feel vibrating. anything. Vibrating. Vibrating. A lot of vibrating. Um, we do have a new machine called the Focus Shockwave, uh, which on men, I, you don't use it on women because it would be hard to get into the vaginal area with this, this one. And most of the protocols for women are with the radial probe. Um, but on men, we can, if we do it with the radial probe, um, again, we use a lot of the numbing cream. It's got three different kinds of numbing medicine in it. Um, so then we use the numbing cream and then we go over the top and blow. With the new focus one, you actually don't have to do, use it because it goes deeper, and so it's not as painful. Great. Once the numbing cream wears off, is there any residual soreness or healing precautions that's needed? So normally what I tell people is um, I like them to have a healthy diet, um, a low-inflammatory diet for probably the week before, and not take any NSAIDs like ibuprofen, Aleve, um, Voltaren. Mobic because that inhibits the regeneration. It, it's it's an anti-inflammatory, so it prevents like the stem cells and the the monocytes that help uh, regenerate tissue from working. So I usually like them to avoid it, 
a week before and um, through the protocol a week, at least a week or two afterwards. We also tell them not to ice the area, not that in musculoskeletal that's more appropriate to ice, but we usually don't ice our genitals, but we wouldn't want to ice either because <laughs> that would also prevent regeneration of the tissue. Understanding. But there should so, be no pain afterwards, even with musculoskeletal okay. stuff. It hurts when you're doing it and it might be a little bit of red, but it does not hurt afterwards. It's just during the procedure that it hurts. Unlike PRP, that's usually painful for, could be up to a couple of weeks afterwards. Okay. And, you know, from a basic physical therapy standpoint, you know, a lot of us understand like grasped in an A-STEM, different instrument assisted soft tissue mobilization tools that from a cellular level, we're trying to kind of produce a similar outcome, exactly. right? Exactly. And, and so for, for both men and female with pelvic pain, I have found myself commonly using um, A-STEM on the abdomen, on the like hip flexors, the abdomen adductors as well as the gluteal tissues to help promote that blood flow going into um, the hip rotators like our obturator internus which becomes a pelvic floor muscle kind mm -hmm. of those proximal attachments of the ab uh, abductors near that pubic region as well as the um, distal attachments of the abdominal muscles in that pubic region as well knowing that that's kind of the primary area of the blood flow the lymph nodes um, mm -hmm. in our bodies. So I'm curious now, knowing how often do these individuals need to come in for this therapy? So when we come in for one session, about how long is that procedure? And then how many subsequent visits do they need afterwards? So the protocol for both erectile dysfunction and for incontinence is really about the same. Um, it's twice a week for three weeks. Sometimes it might require more if we have a, um, a case that's very stubborn or somebody that's much worse. Um, typically, I do it in conjunction with the PRP, and I would do that on the first. I do the shockwave, and then I do the PRP. Um, and then you do uh, five more sessions after that. Okay, so, great. So that's a typical protocol. And, you know, I know we're kind of emphasizing the shockwave in this discussion, but will you maybe give us a little bit of background on the PRP and what that helps to do um, with both the erectile dysfunction and the incontinence and what that's kind of what tissue that's aimed at? Um, so it's kind of the same thing, just using a different approach. So um, with incontinence, we're going to be going um, into the uh, rugae that's right below the uh, the urethra. And then we also go on either side of the urethra. So we're bringing in, so the uh, PRP has platelets that um, are scaffolding, but also release growth factors. And then you have the monocytes that bring in the stem cells from your own body. So also they work very well together, the shockwave plus the PRP. The shockwave helps prepare the body for the PRP to work better. So they work very well hand in hand. With the erectile dysfunction, and I'll, I will say with the P-shot, I actually do a penile block so that on that first time when I do the shockwave and the PRP, not only do they have the numbing cream, but they have um, a block like what, what we use when we do a circumcision um, on a baby. So they, yeah. do, they feel nothing. But we go into the, basically, uh, several points along the shaft. And then if somebody's having problem with sensation, 
um, we might go into the cura, put a small amount on the cura that will help with um, the sensation. So again, we're, we're regenerating on two different levels, one with the PRP and one with the shockwave. Perfect. And now for, for patients and people that are listening out there, when is a good time for them to think that this type of a treatment is where they're at in their continuum of care? Um, let's start with incontinence because that um, is, is sort of what you're working with with patients. And I, I think if they, they're not making the progress you expect um, with the pelvic floor treatment, that would be a great time to come in. Um, also, the sexual dysfunction in females, um, I think that's a reason to do both. You've got the incontinence plus uh, difficulty having orgasm. You know, we can address both at the same time. Um, and I think all the things that we talked about when we met that are important, exercise, healthy diet, you know, pelvic floor strengthening, blood flow, all those things are so important to get good results for both when they're doing pelvic floor work and both and for regenerative medicine. So I, I think really the healthier the tissue and the healthier environment that we can put it into, um, I think it really makes a huge difference. Um, for erectile dysfunction, we have other things that we use. We use medications. You know, we, we can try cholesterol medicine. We can try exercise, weight loss, diet. Um, but a lot of men can get erectile function dysfunction as they get older. Um, now, one of the things I do that's really important as an adjunct, particularly to the erectile dysfunction, is um, they have to pump twice a day because not only do we bring in those good cells and help with regeneration, we have to bring the blood flow in to continuously help with that. And we like them to do that for about three months. And a lot of times I'll put them also on a low-dose Cialis because the Cialis will also bring the blood flow in and can sometimes increase the musculature to go along with it. Great. So for our incontinence patients, if we're doing this procedure, having them doing Kegel exercises at the same time is kind of that similar effect as, as the Absolutely. pump for men. Okay. Absolutely. Perfect. No, that's really good to know. So any of those pelvic therapists that are listening to this, if you're having any of those patients that are kind of hitting that plateau wall with either overactive bladder or um, stress urinary incontinence, this is a really good adjunct therapy to offer patients, um, find a provider near you that um, completes these different procedures, because this might be that missing piece to the puzzle that it's just a blood flow. And, you know, we can only do so much from an external standpoint, getting into the shockwave really helps to get to the cellular level, which we cannot touch as physical therapists. I thought one thing that was pretty interesting when reading the research specifically on um, stress urinary incontinence, and this was um, just re recently done in 2020, back in October was when this article was published by Long et al. Um, some of the biggest and clinically significant findings were the PAD test. So at the beginning of this, um, and this had about 60 individuals, their pad weight was about 10 grams and it decreased to one gram during that pad test. Um, so that was a huge significant decrease in the amount of leakage after this intervention. And that was at um, 
a, a one month follow-up after the procedure, which was a similar protocol to what you had spoken to already, Dr. Cooper. I think, so another one of the major improvements was the post-void residual. It decreased from 48 and a half milliliters to 26 milliliters, and that is significant. So for those listeners, the post-void residual is that amount of urine that's left in the bladder after you feel like you've fully voided. If we have a high post-void residual, that can increase our chance for bladder infections, kidney infections, um, that can increase our urgency sensation because what's left in the bladder is quite acidic at that point. Um, and so seeing how significantly that post-void residual dropped at the one-month follow-up with this procedure was really amazing to me as well. Um, another thing they found was that the functional bladder capacity increased from 363 milliliters to 379 milliliters. So for those individuals that feel like they have to go pee all the dang time, this is a really good option for you because it will increase the capacity of your bladder to stretch and contract effectively to fill appropriately and empty appropriately. So both standpoints, you're able to fill more, you're also able to empty better. And then lastly, it found significant reductions in both urgency as well as nocturia. So the amount of time they're getting up at night to go pee, it cut it in half. And, um, and all of these results that I'm telling to you were all statistically significant as well. Um, so that just shows all these really great benefits from adding this extra procedure into our tool bag as professionals, knowing that, you know, there is a continuum of care from physical therapy to medication management to now this shockwave therapy prior to even going into surgical consultations. I just want listeners out there to understand like there are so many options for you. You do not need to go under the knife to have some of these procedures and benefits that you're looking for if you're, if you're suffering from the erectile dysfunction, pelvic pain, or incontinence. Um, and it was also really cool to see in a different study, a similar group on pelvic pain, they found st statistically significant reduction in the visual analog scale. So that pain scale in the zero to 10 um, after having this procedure so that they cut their pain level in half. So patients with chronic pelvic pain, meaning they've had pelvic pain longer than six months, and it's not because of an infection or any other underlying medical condition. And this included males as well as females. Um, so I think a lot of times with this intervention, we think of erectile dysfunction, but it can also be super beneficial for males with chronic pelvic pain. I think a lot of times the, the males kind of get left in the dust with a chronic pelvic pain and it's more thought of as a female condition but you know chronic prostatitis affects a lot of men in this in this world and this is an awesome adjunct therapy for that as well um as well as your normal kind of urology type interventions there was a paper as i was reviewing on chronic prostatitis and um the shockwave therapy and it looked like they got yeah. really good results they are it's been it's so from my understanding, kind of looking into the research, it seems like a fairly new intervention. And so, you know, it takes time for the research to come out to help to validate the reasonings for these protocols. Of course, you know, they begin with the rats as we can't, you know, um, biopsy bladder Ruga, um, on, <laughs> on individuals, right, in a study, whereas, you know, they can really see the cellular changes occurring within the bladder wall as well as um, the reproductive organs 
when they're doing these studies to then say, okay, this theoretically is how it should carry over into um, the population that we're trying to treat. And so it was really cool to kind of see how it transfers from rats and then to people and seeing the actual functional benefits that, that occurs and also knowing from the cellular level what's occurring as well, which is really cool. Um, so now in, in your clinical experience with this, what are some of the described like effects from the therapy that you see like patients, um, like how long does it take them within that protocol to start to see the results? Obviously we know it, it usually takes that whole protocol to reach the goals that they're looking for, but curious in regards to, let's say patients with incontinence after like the first week of your protocol, are they already seeing reduction in their symptoms? Um, I think around a month, we start seeing some improvements. And then really any regenerative um, therapy you do, you're really looking at three months at, at sort of your maximum. So it starts around six weeks, uh, four to six weeks. And then you start, you see improvement up to three months. And I've seen people all the way up to a year get some improvement. Oh, great. That's awesome to know. So although they're not coming in for that long of a period of time, it kind of takes that long for that regeneration at the tissue level to really impact the functional symptoms mm -hmm. that they're having. Yes. Great. And now what are some of the negative side effects that can happen with this procedure? Um, in terms of the shockwave, there's really not any. I, I haven't seen anyone have any long-term side effects. A matter of fact, there's almost an anesthesia after, well, there definitely is with the numbing cream, but um, even when they're wears off, they have some anesthesia for about a day or two. Um, when you talk about PRP, they're probably gonna have a, pair, a flare and some pain for anywhere from a couple of days to a week. But with the shockwave, there really aren't, like let's say somebody with plantar fasciitis, cause that's easy to, um, they're gonna walk out of there without pain. And they're probably, and I don't have to hold them back from running maybe the next day, but for a couple of weeks, like I might NPRP. So okay. I, I don't, I don't really see sense. there's any, um, any side effects from the shockwave itself. There's no burns. There's no. And that's exactly what the study showed as well. When I was reading through them, they didn't have any of the participants that had any negative side effects from these um, procedures, which is phenomenal to see, you know, mm -hmm. no, understanding a lot of side effects that come from medications, all the side effects that come from surgeries. So for those individuals listening, if you fall into one of these three categories, understand that this is a very safe, conservative method to treat whatever dysfunction you have going on without having lasting side effects um, that you do have from other not as conservative interventions. Absolutely. Um, now, under with this understanding, anybody on um, this thought just kind of came to my mind. Um, anybody that has like low dose steroids, are they supposed to kind of stop taking those while they're doing this intervention as well? Um, that's a great question. I, I, if they can, it would be better. But there's some folks who have rheumatological diseases or somebody with chronic asthma that, you know, it's going to be really hard for them to stop. So it would be better if they did. But if they have reasons that they can't stop, it's probably better for them to continue. Great. 
great. That's good to know. Um, so besides those and like the NSAIDs and anti-inflammatories that you had mentioned, um, increasing exercise mm-hmm. prior to, are there any other things that patients should do ahead of time to these procedures to kind of get their body ready? Well, we do know that exercise increases stem cells and platelets. So definitely being sure to exercise the, the couple of days before, because I think that will help the procedure go better. Oh, okay. That's great to know. And of course, yeah. for those listeners out there with the American Medical Association says you should be doing five days a week of moderate activity for 30 minutes. And so if you're doing that, that should, you know, really help with this regeneration and give you a better benefit to these procedures. Absolutely. And then if, if we have someone who's a smoker, it would be better if they didn't smoke, if they could stop smoking for a couple of weeks while we're trying to get this. That would make sense. And smoking is definitely a risk factor for erectile dysfunction because of this absolutely of the vascular changes that occur with smoking that we know of. Okay. Probably diabetes that, and smoking. That's an added benefit. <laughs> okay. That makes and, you know, individuals that have diabetes, obesity, increased age um, for the females, more vaginal deliveries, you're at a higher risk of suffering from urinary incontinence symptoms. And so, you know, the more healthy that you can be losing weight, exercising more, the better off it'll be for, you know, the holistic approach to medicine as we're looking at the entire body and not just, you know, with our as I call vagina blinders on like (laughs) therapies may have. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Dr. Cooper, if nothing else, what do you hope that listeners take away from this podcast? Um, Just to know that there are some other approaches that don't involve surgery um, that work very well. In addition to what, what you're doing as physical therapists to help strengthen their pelvic floor musculature. Right. Well, thank you all for listening. If you'd like to speak with a specialist, please email podcast at mlrehab.com. I would like to thank Dr. Cooper for coming on the show today. And Dr. Cooper, if listeners want more information or like to get into contact with you, what is the best way to do so? So they could either email me at drleslie at lesliecoopermd.com or our phone number is 801 407 9970. Great. And thank you again for listening. And please tune in next month for our episode. And remember to subscribe to this podcast to get the most up to date episode information and downloads. Thank you. This podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Exercises that are safe and appropriate for some people may not be for you. No treatment program should be undertaken without first consulting your physical therapist or physician. The contents of this podcast is protected under United States copyright laws and may not be reproduced, redistributed, transmitted, displayed, published, or broadcast without prior written permission of Mountain Land Physical Therapy.